Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hi everyone, Taylor here. You know at our podcast, we were wanting to center the perspectives of people who look like us and women as well as marginalized people who have been historically pushed to the sideline of conversations. So if you haven't already, we welcome you to engage through our Instagram or Facebook page by leaving a comment or simply support us by subscribe our podcast from Acast, Apple, Spotify and Google. It will make a huge difference to increase our visibility and centering the conversations we have from our pod. Enjoy today's episode. Yo, 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 guys, it's Jessie. Hi, Telling here. And you're listening to This Week, It's Summer. Finally, we have arrived in the last month of 2020. <laughs> yes. It's Asian Bitches Down Under. And how are you all doing? So, Helen, yeah, last, what's up? yesterday, yesterday, um, the world mm-hmm. went crazy for Elliot Page. Yeah. Is, who mm-hmm. um, declared himself to be transgender. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, um, I am about to dead name, uh, which is a term uh, that means someone when someone intentionally or not refers to a person who's transgender by the name they used before they transitioned so i'm about to do that which is like shunned upon um in the trans community so for you guys who don't know um ellen page is um was the former name of Mm -hmm. the former person sorry of elliot page so um i made the mistake yesterday of um publishing a piece for uh women's agenda in regards to this um, and I'm glad that someone called me out on it. Mm-hmm. Really glad. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually thought it was okay because I saw heaps of publications also refer to them as like p- formerly Ellen yeah, Page. Yeah, I thought I that read was that okay. Yeah. But I'm glad that someone called me out on it. Yeah. I like being called out. You know, I only, I only ever want to be better. It was really interesting. Um, so how do you feel about Elliot Page coming out um, as trans, Helen? How did you, what was your first reaction when you found out? Oh, I'm kind of surprised and not surprised at the same time i'm like oh okay because <laughs> we already mm. like we we've always known um page being in very active in the lgbtq yeah, LGBT um, community scene. and we know yep. that yeah um page is a part of the community i think yep. coming out is just making a more exposure like the public sense that you know it just seems like it's normal like you're trying to normalize mm. a person as a trans, you know, in, in our society yeah. now, there's nothing wrong with it, of course. Yeah. 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 I got very, very emotional when I read his um, Twitter mm-hmm. announcement. If you haven't, I'm sure the whole world has already read it. But if you haven't, it's just so humbling. Yeah, like I know. He says in the first paragraph, he says, in the, literally the first paragraph, he says, I feel lucky to be writing this, to be here, to have arrived at this place mm-hmm. in my life. Mm-hmm. Like, even that gets me very teary saying that because he acknowledges the privilege and the position. that a lot of them, a lot of them, a lot of trans people just don't make it to the age of 33. Mm-hmm. And I just find that, like, very, like, I, you know how I shit on celebrities? I fucking hate celebrities, yeah. right? And I hate, like, uh-huh. actors. But, like, to have someone in Hollywood who's so famous kind of be so aware of how much, I don't want to use the word luck, but just the fortune that he has been granted by way of his 
being alive at age 33 is so mm-hmm. just such a it's, it makes my heart swell mm-hmm. in monumental ways because I, I I kind of really hate how people always say like oh I'm getting older you know and going being like oh like oh I'm one year older I don't want to celebrate that like people who are like trans and black people trans black people you know a lot of people um people living with disability you know which is related to what we're talking about tonight today Helen mm-hmm. um it's a privilege to grow old it's a privilege to continue yeah. to live in your body yeah, yeah you know exactly. like yeah and like the fact that such a famous person acknowledges this is just so it makes me so happy that that there are normal celebrities out there you know <laughs> normal celebrities <laughs> well as in it's just like down celebrities earth, who are fucking actually, like yeah, yeah down to earth and yeah. yeah i know yeah yeah i mean how do you feel about uh, you like his work right yeah, yeah. Like, I, do you saw Juno? Yeah. You're a big fan of the Umbrella Academy. <laughs> yeah. I actually very, like, I like Paige's character in Umbrella Academy. Like, mm. probably the second yeah. favorite character in it. And I think it's uh, mm-hmm. very crucial to have such characters in such a, you know, pop culture, sci-fi type of drama on Netflix. It's very essential nowadays. It's just amplifying the certain characteristic traits in the movie and uh, sorry in the drama that's just so mm. isolated from the whole society you know and the power that they have yeah yeah in yeah, regarding exactly. to the media response how they were uh, yeah. i didn't i honestly didn't know the term uh what's it called dead naming dead yeah naming. Um, and to you mentioned yeah. it this morning like i i know that's the thing that we not we shouldn't do, you know, like I know that there's there's such behavior, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know there's a term for it. I think um, with the pronouns are easier in Chinese because phonetically they're all the same, you know, the ta. Yeah. Yeah. Ta ta, ta, as in he, she. Yeah. When you refer to someone, yeah, he, she, they, it's the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same thing except for. I still fuck. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Except for in the writing, it's different. You know, there's different characters for the gender, you know, the construction of gender. I think we are learning, yeah. and like you said, that we should continue learning that the behavior that has been dominated by the society of the cis hetero monoracial default, you know, is very harmful for the marginalized yeah. communities. Yeah, exactly. I think it's yeah. like um, kind of like microaggression. You know how when we say about like racial yeah, discrimination exactly. that it's just really subtle yeah. that you don't see it, but it is still very offensive yeah. for the minority group. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Yeah, the, I think for me, just finishing off this Ellen, Elliot Page um, discussion is I the first response I had was this is only this can only be a great thing because young people mm-hmm. will see that and think that's okay, that's normal, mm-hmm. you know, like it's like that. If I was ever a celebrity, which I not and I will <laughs> never be because I'm not like a famous actor, but if I was a famous actor, I think that would be a good way to use my power just to like um, show off my, my whatever kind of marginality I have in order for those marginalized people in society to feel less lonely. I think that is the biggest currency I would be sharing if I did have that power, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like it's like how, think about how many kids who see Elliot Page now doing this um, and how much, I'm not saying obviously that their weight will be lifted, but it, I think, I think it is important and it does lift a bit of the weight off their shoulders because Elliot Page with 
his platform the influence is yeah. moving yeah is moving towards a direction where um it will be normalized mm-hmm. in 20 mm-hmm. years time hopefully yeah. you know where it won't be such a big deal yeah exactly and it's really essential for people mm. with certain exposures to come out and talk about it because absolutely for people in the minority communities it's really hard and it's like a constant mental labor when you want to educate the rest of the society about it mm. like mm. what mm. we are doing about racial discrimination as well it just gets so tiring and so burdened up on your in your mind how about you what have you been up to in the last two days um, I went to climbing again yesterday. <laughs> I just want to make nice. something that I want to rant about. It's just so annoying mm-hmm. that seeing people showing off at the climbing center, <laughs> particularly really that doesn't cis hetero couples with like perfect bodies. <laughs> Fucking hell, it's so annoying. <laughs> really, what do you mean showing off? <laughs> like public affection display. <laughs> Oh really? You know, yeah. it's so it's not, it's not it's not enough for you to show off doing like eighth grade climbing already. You just have to like make pop out down and kind of make out and give each other give each other high fives when you done. Oh my climbing. god! Please kill me! Please seriously kill me when it comes to fucking hetero couples. They are the worst human beings in the world, and I'm including myself in this, by the way, <laughs> obviously. But, yeah, but we yeah. don't show her so publicly. Oh, yeah. Like, um, I'm currently dating someone, and, um, like, the other day, I think yesterday, I was walking through Newtown, and there was this couple in front of me that were, like, just going for it, right? While they were waiting <laughs> on the street. Not as in, like, they were just being publicly affectionate. Uh-huh. And I still felt, like, uh-huh. I still felt resentful of them. Like, even though I'm with someone who's loving and caring and so beautiful, like, just the most wonderful person, even though, like, that, uh-huh. even though I'm happy in this, like, I, I can't, I felt, I still found myself being, like, resentful when I saw that. And I was like, what the fuck? It was so weird. <laughs> and, like, the same with you. Like, you're in a happy marriage, right? And then you still yeah. get pissed off by, most like, of seeing time. this fucking couple's, yeah. <laughs> I swear, like, there's a term. I don't know. I don't know oh, why I resent people well, with never... perfect body and, like, just everything. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'm God. sure they've got their problems think, like... in their life. Yeah. I just think hetero couples are the worst human beings in the world. Like, <laughs> that kind of unit is the most toxic and, like, unhelpful. The world would be a better place if we had less hetero mm. couples. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Could you is... just imagine yeah. that? You know, still a lot of um, same-sex couples feel awkward doing the same thing in the out in the public. You know, it's right. such a privilege for heterosexual couples just openly know, and doing yeah. something, not being discriminated, not being stared at, and shit yeah, like exactly. that. You know, yeah. yeah, yeah, I know. Hetero people are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, educate yourself. It's so weird. Yeah, yeah. Oh Acknowledge your own privilege. okay so um let's take a break and we'll come back and talk about today helen what is it the international day of people with disability yeah yeah we'll see you soon hey guys so we're back um so like we said before every third of december is the international day of people with disability so it's a united nations observed day celebrated internationally and according to its website it aims to increase public awareness understanding and acceptance of people with disability and celebrate their achievements and contributions now 
Helen, um, you know, and I know that um, well, today's discussion, we're going to be talking about like, you know, disability. There's a range of disabilities, like physical, mm-hmm. intellectual. And here on this mm-hmm. podcast, we're not, Helen and I, we're not assuming any position of knowledge regarding the real life experiences of those yeah. people living with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what we actually want to do um, instead is just simply to start the conversation about how rarely we see people living with disabilities in the media mm-hmm. and how like uh, you and I, we both really want to see a world where like it's much more cognitively diverse. And, mm-hmm. you know, um, I think pe- so many Australians like are doing a splendid job of pushing these boundaries, you know, um, some people who we'll be talking about today. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Helen, did you have any thoughts before we start discussing things? Yeah, so we want to have more acknowledgement um, about the people with disability, especially the community themselves. Mm. Like we want to highlight the well, at least I want to highlight the diversity within the disability community. Like initially, I don't feel comfortable in talking about like talking for the group because we're very able mm. people, and even with some flaws, like yeah. we're in no ways that have as difficult has much difficulties navigating through the lives compared to the people with disabilities. I feel great that yeah. it's like we are shining a light for the minority group, but as we're doing today for the disability people, but <laughs> somehow I feel a little bit embarrassed. You know, kind of like this International Day feels a little tokenistic. Yeah. Like I wish overall media and everything in society will have more exposures, yeah, for yeah, totally. people with disability. Um, so one of the people that I wanted to mention today is this amazing young 25-year-old um, Melbourne PhD candidate. Her name is Jerusha Mather, and she, um, I did a profile of her on Women's Agenda today, and I asked her about what you know something like today means for her. So um, mm-hmm. Jerusha lives with cerebral palsy, and, and she said to me... Um, that she like like us, you know, we think that things today um, should not be like a day where it's only once a year we celebrate, you know, and elevate the voices mm-hmm. of people with disability. She mm-hmm. says, I think we should do this every day, be that in supermarkets, food packaging, clothes, design, media, workplaces, schools and universities. Um, mm-hmm. We can, she says, we can carry the mantle and voice of inclusion and be the change every day. The more we raise awareness, the more the environment will methodically and systematically adapt to disability and accept them. I thought that was really well mm-hmm. written. Yeah, yeah, that's very well said. Um, I think, like, like what you said, that the more exposure and the more things we know about and we normalise that and include disability um, community in our society, um, yeah. then we don't. Then we won't have issues of discrimination or just verbal abuse or harmings emotionally. You know, for the people with disability, and also more people. Um, in obviously the decision makers. Yeah. So like here, I'm. I, I want to really draw um, our listeners' attention to the NDIS, which is the National Disability Insurance Agency. Um, it's mm-hmm. an independent statutory agency, and it provides support to eligible people with intellectual, physical, sensory, cognitive, and so- psychosocial disabilities. So um, this um, scheme was an Australian government scheme that funds costs associated with disability, and it was legislated back in 2013, and it went into full operation only this year. Well, only this year, goodness. I know, yeah. 
So basically what it does is it entitles people with a permanent and significant disability under the age of 65 to full funding for any quote-unquote reasonable and necessary support needs related to their disability. The funding is allocated to the individual and the individual or their guardian, um, which chooses their providers and who supplies the funded goods and services. Now, I mentioned this NDIS, Helen, because uh, over the weekend, like I said in my last episode of our pod, um, mm-hmm. I was on the panel very humbly with Jack's Jackie Brown, who's a wheelchair user, where mm-hmm. uh, they were saying that um, sex work and um, sex toys were mm-hmm. not included in the like you couldn't access funds for those things and it just you know it made me super mad and um i just want to read actually some really really real well written arguments that um that people with disabilities and the access to sex work um how like that's a basic basic right you know for every human being Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so um, i'm drawing this from the um website um which i will link to the show notes Uh, they say People with disability need to be able to exercise the same choices to sexual expression and sexual release that people without disability already have. The NDIS facilitates many different kinds of support for people with disability to be able to live an ordinary ordinary life and sexual expression is part of that life. People without disability have many different opportunities in in society to satisfy their sexual desires and needs, either through masturbation or through finding sexual partners. Some people with disability do not enjoy the same degree of opportunities to either masturbate or to find a sexual partner, mm-hmm. which I think is like something a lot of people just don't are not aware of. Yeah, and everyone much in the same way that granted for you know for granted, yeah, yeah for exactly. Able people, like, yeah. physical access, exactly. Mm-hmm. Much in the same way that a lot of white people, like white men, don't realize that for Asian men, um, finding sex is much harder. Yeah, the social capital um, they have is very very yeah, different. Yeah, exactly. The sexual pa- capital. Yeah. yeah, I'm not. By the way, I'm not like um, I'm not comparing white men to able bodied people and like disabled people to Asian men by the way I'm just saying it's kind of like there's a correlation there mm-hmm. and it continues for some people paying for sexual services may fulfill short-term goals about learning more about sexual enjoyment their bodies and others how to explicitly give and gain consent or increase their confidence and skills in being able to start dating again which is ostensibly like Helen not ostensibly it is essentially what you and I are like we all want no matter who you are in this world what you want at the end of the day is to be loved, right? Mm-hmm. And That's sex is part nature. of that. Yeah. yeah, I know. Exactly. Um, and it's the last line. It says it may be the case that in some situations, access to sex workers will provide the only way to achieve the equity for the majority of their lives. Yeah, like sexuality and relationships, everyone mm-hmm. should have same same access yeah. to it. You know. And the thing is, the reality is, a lot of people living with disabilities do not have that equal access. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, a conservative white politician has struck down the decision to, like, include sex workers' access and sex dolls and sex toys Are not to be part of this NDIS yeah. funding. Yeah, it's just like, fuck you, man. Yeah. I want to kill this guy. <laughs> I don't want that far I don't to, actually, be, yeah. <laughs> to be receiving an attorney's letter or email soon because of what you said. Oh no! Well, I don't actually know who, but it was some, yeah, some politician who who decided, conservative Christian who decided that disabled people are not allowed to access sex workers. Well, what what essentially you're saying is that because the decision making Mm -hmm. up on the top is not involved, or has not involved, or probably will not be involved 
with people with disability. Exactly. They don't、yeah. get to actually say what is right and what is, and what is you know, needed、yeah. in、exactly. their life. That there's so many components that able people just taken. Granted, granted for, exactly for granted, yeah, yeah.、Um, and not noticing that disabled,、uh, disability, sorry, dis disabled community will need an extra layer of support、mm. to、mm-hmm. just live like an able person. Exactly, you know, like because we don't see it, and a lot of、uh, able people don't see it because we just think that it's normal or.、Yeah. Um, And a lot of able people that they're very entitled and consider that because they don't have any flaws, they don't have physical or mental flaws, that they get to have the power to decide、mm. what others that they can have or not to have. Like there's a a layer of authority over it as well,、yeah. you know, which is really bad. I think. Yeah, it's it's yeah, really it's just not treating people equally. Yeah, it's not recognizing yeah,、exactly. that people have lives different to theirs. Yeah. 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 Exactly. This will be a correlation to、uh, an article that I've read this week.、Mm-hmm. Um, Ness Campalina.、Um, uh, she's the ABC News reporter. I think she's on Triple、uh, J.、Mm-hmm. So she's visually impaired. She w-、um, she wrote a piece of article、um, talking about her experience. On a Sydney train, where there was a guy、um, mm. just came up and talked to her、mm. um, about her disability, like how did you become、uh, visually impaired? Of course, she told her. She told him that oh, it's personal. You know, you don't have to know about it. But they、yeah. kind of chat a little bit,、yeah. and then at the end of the conversation, the man said that I will cure myself if I'm you. You know the, the fear and、so、the horrendous.、Um, I don't even know how to describe that. It's just like. Able people consider, you know, people with disable due to whatever reason is inferior. Yeah, it's just I I can't even find a word to describe it. Yeah, you know, that's disgusting. That's so. It's just、repulsive. disgusting. Yeah, like the immediate fear that you will have at that moment. Like, what the hell are you saying that? You know, I I yeah. I, why are you like um creating this? It's it sounds like a threat, and it also sounds trying to put her down as well. Like、yeah. on the position of her social status, that is, yeah, that is absolutely horrendous. It's so fucked. That's, all, that's horrifying. It's really, that's horrifying. really awful. Yeah, it's yeah. like you don't have worth. You don't have value. Yeah, like in this world, just because you know, like everyone has flaws. Some people have flaws that are not very apparent, but. I, I, yeah, I don't know. You see, I from there, I'm just really yeah, upset think, after、um, reading that. Yeah, I don't think it, I I don't even see it as a flaw. I see it just by being different, right?、Mm, She just yeah, has a different, different way of、exactly. seeing the world. Like、yeah. her her sense of um her her sense of hearing is probably monumentally much better than mine and yours. You know,、mm-hmm. because she is yeah. I have quote, to correct unquote, myself.、Um, what, yeah, visibly, yeah, visibly impaired. Like there is to me, there is no world where. To me, I don't see people with impairments. I see people who are, have just like different degrees of abilities.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like, a really good way to put it. Like wheelchair users,、yeah. well, you, wheelchair users are monumentally better at so many things that are, you and I are not good at. You know, <laughs> I know because they navigate the world differently. They navigate the world differently. Yeah, differently, and they have to strengthen、yeah. their strengthen their、um, abilities different to us. Yeah. yeah, I think they're so much smarter. Sorry, go、yeah. on. I remember seeing a guy who's in、uh, wheelchair,、mm. and it's just the upper body strength 
that he has to carry his whole body, right, right, even with a wheelchair to do rock climbing. Yeah, that's just amazing. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, just imagine yeah. that enable people can never do. I'm thinking yeah. also like me, I ride the bike everywhere, right? So I live in the inner west of Sydney and I ride my bike mm-hmm. everywhere. And I feel like um, it, I am so much more conscious of the way drivers respond. And I am I think that being a cyclist on yeah. the road has made me much more visually and also physically aware of my surroundings. And I'm very sharp. Mm-hmm. Like I'm mm-hmm. my eyesight and my sense of sound and the way I respond to things, like I've had to learn to be very, very um, quick in my responses. And, you know, that is a condition mm-hmm. of me being on the road for hours every week, you know? And being a woman. Yeah, ob- obviously, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that, yeah, yeah, exactly. I, it might yeah. change things on the road, actually. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm sure, you know, female cyclists get get um, different tr- differently treated than male cyclists on the road. I have to mm-hmm. say often when I'm cycling mm-hmm. on the normal lane, um, I get beeped by cyclists. Uh, sorry, I get beeped by cars and I just, I've learned to ignore them uh-huh. because I have every single mm-hmm. right to be on the road just as much as those yeah. cars. They just if can't. Not, if you're not causing a problem. Yeah, I'm not. Like, yeah, they just, just can't use entitlement. Yeah, the fact that um, they're behind a cyclist, but I have every right to be on the road. Mm-hmm. I think that's really important. Um, but I guess what I'm saying is that um, uh, people who um, live with disabilities just see the world in... Uh, like way more um, sensitively and way more perceptively than able-bodied people. So much more. Yeah, so much, much more. so. Because we're taken for, like t- like I said, taken for granted for so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. So many things. And also um, that guy yeah. who, um, the ABC journalist um, who, had, who, was, who behaved so egregiously against her on the bus, um, I he obviously has never he obviously has led a life where he has only ever been surrounded by able-bodied people, so he just doesn't mm-hmm. know what it's like to not live in a body where all five of your senses work like. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't care. Oh, it's, some people just doesn't care. It's just so terrible. Like I'm thinking about the way I see my <sighs> own gaps. Like for instance, you know how a few weeks ago I went to see. I told you, and I also spoke about it on this pod, about um, going to see a panel of queer sex experts. Yes. Yeah, and, like, they were talking about the difference uh-huh. between queer yeah. sex and gay sex. And um, in that on that evening, they invited audience members to submit questions anonymously. And my question, mm-hmm. without thinking, I wrote, my question was, because everyone on the panel was either trans or queer, my question was, what is the most annoying questions that cis hetero people ask you about queer sex? <laughs> I thought that was a good question, right? Okay. And then um the moderator uh-huh. Te- did you get No, the moderator Teddy Cook uh-huh. was extremely fantastic when he said he said so we're going to go to audience questions now and because um his cis hetero people dominate every single fucking conversation, we're not going to answer any question about cis hetero people. And only focus on what queer people want. And I was just like, oh my God, like that is so great. And also I felt a bit embarrassed, embarrassed. because like my question, <laughs> actually, yeah, because my question yeah. was actually just like directed towards totally, it was me. It was a selfish question because yeah. I wanted to know how can I get better uh-huh. as a cis hetero woman. And yeah. so I was like, this is great. And also it made me think, oh yeah, like my whole life I've only ever centered people like me, uh-huh. you know? Yeah. And it's but just that like, question can you get asking. used to? 
Yeah, was was like for my <laughs> benefit. You, you're putting yourself only. into the center again. Yeah, that is exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Which is so what like the guy who insulted the ABC journalist was doing. Like it, mm-hmm. people, like we live in a world where it's if you're a cis hetero, usually white person, it's very, very, very blandly normal that you think everyone has the same experience as you. Yeah, yeah. Because everything in the world revolves around someone who has your kind of body. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Which is what we want to destroy. You know, we want to live in a world where people don't center themselves so selfishly. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, very much so. Like, we need to know more about the disability community. And I, if for those who doesn't know, I volunteered with the guide dog for the past few years. That's how you acquired your two dogs? We, I started, well, my family. Yeah, my two dogs. Yeah, my family started um, with puppy raising Paddington, who eventually didn't make it. Failed. <laughs> Paddy failed. Yeah, yeah poor Paddy. He's an air court fa- failed. Um, <laughs> we'd like to say that he's... Uh, change his mind in his career path that he just preferred to be a family pet. That is so cute. Lazy dog. Yeah. yeah. Um, so we puppy raised him uh, up to about 11 months. And during that time, we we pretty much go out every month to attend with the trainers to do like socialization for Paddington and let him uh, encountered different situations and when he went into training at the age of 11 months uh, we were really devastated like but at the same time it's a bittersweet um, feeling because we know that he's eventually going to help people oh th- yeah. then we thought that he was going to yeah um, yeah but within two weeks of training we got a notice saying that he wasn't suitable to continue the training so he came back to us like our family was the first option for him to be adopted. Oh my god. So we he was rejected. Him. He was rejected <laughs> he was after rejected. two weeks. <laughs> Poor Patty. <laughs> He's just not suitable being like a working dog, I think. Mm. Mm. Did yeah. you feel any kind of did you feel a bit like shame or at all? Oh yeah. Oh, a little that, bit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know if because an Asianness in me that I feel like oh I d I don't know if I, I did failed. enough. Yeah, I feel yeah, like I failed. Yeah. I failed my kids. Yeah. <laughs> no, the trainer was really good because the um, the passing rate is like around sixty percent or something like that. So it's not well, very that's not high. high. Yeah, yeah. So it's very difficult for um, Labradors that even within the breeding uh, programs to become a proper guide dog. Um, but mm. throughout the program, that it's a lot. Like there's a lot of things for me to learn as well as a able person. Like initially, mm-hmm. we feel like oh, we can do something good for the society, like raising a yeah. um, guide dog. But yeah. during the journey, that I've learned a lot of how to interact with vi- uh, visually impaired, impaired person people. as well. Yeah. Like yeah. we attend a lot of seminars and we kind of spoke to them, have conversations, and we learn how to interact, like approach, ask, and assist. And there's, you know, a lot of things that you need to be aware of when you're so when you're with a visually impaired person. Um, for example, that um, you know that uh, let the person who is blind or have low vision know that you've entered the room. You know, mm. that's something that a lot of people take in for granted. Um, don't relocate objects or furnitures without telling mm-hmm. the people don't mm-hmm. fill the glasses uh, or the cups to the brim you know don't don't mm-hmm. have it too full and especially use the ordinary language when directing or describing and to be specific because like sometimes we just uh without hesitation like we'll say pointing at a certain direction and say oh yeah. it's over there 
Whereas yeah, visually yeah. impaired people will say, what over where, you yeah, know? Yeah, exactly. Like right or left. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. In, and also there's there's a couple of tips that you can just read up from, you know, seeing eye dogs or guide dog um, website, um, just tips about how you, um, to be with visually impaired people because a lot of things that we grew up with uh, able people that we don't know or we take mm. in for granted. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. Did you find it that the people were uh, the 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 process that you had was welcoming in the guide dog yeah. procedures? Yeah. In becoming yeah, very a, much tra- so. a trainer. Yeah. Yeah. Very I mean, much like so. a, yeah. A, as a volunteer, I think they're very yeah. inclusive, and yeah. I think they ha- they have programs like they have connections or pro. Um, guide dog programs all around the world so they have trainers coming from hong kong sometimes i don't know if they have connection with Mm. taiwan but i know taiwan is doing very Mm. well with the guide dog programs um that's good and apart from that you know i think the overall society is like you need to acknowledge the visual visually impaired people and you know the disabilities and in the in the sense that i'm talking about the guide dogs everyone should really Mm. um be just be respectful because I've seen a couple of news about yeah. people not being respectful to the guide dogs. Um, of course, you know you need to know um, when you've seen a visually impaired person with guide dog, unless that they need help, mm. you know, don't distract the dog. Mm. Like never distract the dogs. Of course, when they're working, yeah, yeah, because that would yeah. really affect how the dog navigate throughout um, the dogs the, the whole routine. Yeah. yeah, because they have a routine yeah, that's in exactly. their mind for the day's yeah. job. Yeah. Um, mm. It's just so important, I think, because I love dogs. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I um. So Helen, you have a second dog, Jake. So he's a therapy dog. Can you take us through quickly what he does? Yeah. So uh, Jake is a therapy dog that he came to us about two years ago. Um, I signed up another volunteer program for um, canine companionship at the court. Yeah, so mm-hmm. they are essentially the dogs who hasn't quite make it to the guide dog standard, but they have acquired the skills that is enough to become a therapy dog. Um, so this program that the therapy dogs will be taken into the courts, usually at the victim's safe room at the courts, and he just walks around the room and comfort all. If to him, I think it's like a playful time. But as for human, they're there to present a, a sense of comfortness. Yeah, 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 I love that. I mean, how could you not, right? When you see dogs, dogs, yeah, yeah, he's so loved yeah. at the court. But we we start the the program has been ceased for now because due to COVID, there's wow, we've been deemed unfortunately, you know, the <laughs> not the essential staff at the courts so right, um, it's right. kind of stopped yep. at the moment so hopefully once we've stabilized the COVID situation we'll be able to return to the court again speaking of just wrapping up this conversation about visually impaired people I um I really liked that over the weekend when I spoke at the Wollongong Writers Festival panel that the um, moderator Gala mm-hmm. Vanting she got us at the beginning when we go when we started talking to describe out where we are and what we look like mm-hmm. because there are there were people who were visually impaired who were on ah, the Zoom yes. call. Yes, so I thought like, that was the first time yeah, that was the first time anyone had asked me to do that. And I was like, 
That is, so, yeah, of course. Like, why have we forgotten that there are a lot of people who cannot see? Uh-huh. You know, so like, come on, guys. Yeah. yeah, I know. I loved it. So, like, I had to work out what I was gonna say, <laughs> and so I said something like, "I'm an Asian." Um, Gala, Gala, Gala Vanting. She did a great job. She was like, "I'm a Caucasian woman. I have short brown hair. I have hoop mm-hmm. earrings. I'm in my room where there's a pot plant behind me." Like, she just described the room so that the visually impaired people could imagine mm-hmm. what was. In like yeah. imagine what we were all seeing. So I thought that was so good. I did a poor job of it because it was my first time. Um, and I said like I'm Asian presenting and I'm living sitting in my lounge room. I wish I was more <laughs> descriptive. I wish I was like I have long black hair. Um, I have You're a, big a writer. Face. <laughs> I know, I'm know? sitting in a room where, like, I'm a, on a white couch and a bland background. Yeah, bland, bland that color. would be better. Bland, yeah, it was so bland. My lounge room has, like, zero colours. But, yeah, that yeah. was good. It was a good thing, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I think we should I guess, like, more. before, yeah. yeah, yeah. So before Helen and I go on a break, um, before we come back and talk about some of the other awesome people that we want to talk about today, um, I'm going to describe where I am. And what we're okay. seeing. So uh-huh. I'm sitting in my, on my desk in my room, which is, there's a cloth, um, a sort of woven red cloth, the color of red wine um, that I got from Yemen um, over my laptop. Um, to my left, I have a stack of books, which is propping up my podcast um, mic. And uh-huh. to my right, I have about uh, five different pot plants. Okay, Helen, your turn. That's nice. Um, I'm sitting on the floor on top of a cushion in my bedroom. So my bedroom's um, kind of like a, a white. middle side, white background on the wall. And mm-hmm. it, there's a <laughs> king-size bed, bed behind me. Behind you, yeah. Um, green cushion with two cushions kind of um, holding my back at the moment. And nice. in front of me, I've got mm-hmm. my mic and my um, laptop on like a coffee table because I'm sitting on the floor so it's not very high yeah which is a good um, and do you have your dogs around yeah. you and I have um Jake probably he's like yeah two meters behind me sleeping mm. yeah and I'm surrounded by very limited space because it's not big which is good for recording <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 nice that was a great description let's take a break all right guys we're gonna take a quick break yeah. and we'll be right back And we're back. So, uh, Helen, I want to draw um, our attention now to probably one of the most well-known advocates for disabled people living with disability in Australia. Mm-hmm. Her name is Carly Findlay. So Carly was born with ichthyosis, which is a lifelong severe rare condition, a skin condition. Mm-hmm. Um, and she is like such an amazing person. So um, on Facebook, we're friends and I often, she's like super prolific and always like advocating for and, you know, speaking out about um, disabilities and she's Mm -hmm. on so many public platforms. She's written for a host of different publications. She's been on the project on Channel 10. She's like really big in the media. So um, I recently, like uh, a few months ago when I had a big blow up with, um, one of my articles for SMH, she reached out. <laughs> yeah, that one. She was so lovely and like so sort nice. of the gutsiness in which, yeah, which I approached. She said that it made her braver to mm-hmm. to like speak out of how she really feels, which I thought was like That's really great. lovely. 
Yeah, so um, I recently wrote read an article she wrote for Mamma Mia where mm-hmm. she says that she didn't identify as being disabled until she was in her mid-20s. So I'm just going to read a bit from her article, which is like really, really great. So she's, I'm going to um, quote from her because she says it so much better than um, I could ever. She says, in my 20s, it was then that I realized that despite us having different diagnoses, um, she's speaking about people living with ichthyosis, we experience similar barriers. Now, I know this is the social model of disability. We are more disabled by physical attitudinal and systemic barriers constructed by society than we are by our bodies. She goes on to say, right now I'm working with Black Ink on Growing Up Disabled in Australia, which is like an anthology about um, by a host of people living with disabilities and their mm-hmm. experiences. Mm-hmm. So in the past, Black Ink have um, published anthologies on growing up Asian and growing oh, up that's fantastic. Um, Black, mm-hmm. growing up, yeah, um, Going up African, sorry. Um, and she goes on to say, over 40 disabled contributors are included, some high-profile people who you'll, who, who you'll have heard of and many people whose stories you need to know. There are academics and policy workers, politicians and artists, and people now have survived institutionalization and serious childhood illnesses. So it's a really important book and I can't wait to read it. Mm, fantastic. And she goes on to say, I'm not biased, but it's the book everyone needs to read which, mm-hmm. you know, you and I were both second. If you could have read a book, if she says, if I could have read a book like Growing Up Disabled in Australia when I was a young person, my life would have been so different. I would have felt less alone. I would have understood the social model of disability earlier and I would have had less shame realising my body is not the burden. Yeah, exactly. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah, she's talking about, yeah. like, um, your representation. You know, mm-hmm. when you don't have mm-hmm. someone who's like you represent, re- represented out there in the media, that you don't, like, you, you do wonder about your own self worth, like self value as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Like, she goes on to say in the article, like, she used to read Dolly and Girlfriend. Oh my God. And she would flip through the magazines and not see herself. And mm. I felt like I'm not yeah, saying we- that I have it just as bad as her. I'm not saying that, but like mm-hmm. same with you and me. Mm-hmm. When we flipped through Dolly, Cleo, Cosmopolitan, we never saw an Asian woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you, if you don't see yourself, you don't think you're beautiful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And also because it's, I know that the past decade or so, there's more improvement, but mm. we, we need to continue this conversation and talk about it and stop having stereotype and, you know, stigma yeah. over you know, the, the specific minority community, yeah. Mm, exactly. So in saying so, I want to move on to talk about uh, Taiwan. Um, so mm-hmm, Taiwan, mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually caught my eye that th- there's a recent article about a Chinese nightclub that's designed for autistic people, which is really, really sweet. Awesome. Can yeah. you tell us about it? So this, uh, I think it's called Chess. Uh, I have to pull it out and... I'll, I'll just link it in the show notes so everyone can read the article. Okay. So the the nightclub is designed for the autistic people and their carers. So sometimes they have, um, you know how the, the, the stigma in Taiwan is runs deeper than most of the Western country, um, particularly yeah. for the intellectual and mentally disabled people. Yes, yes. The, the perception, of course, it's not really represented Overall, I think I, I'm sounding like a bit generalizing here, but however, it's like a general aspect that because Asian nations have long and deep rooted negative perception about disability, like 
I remember yes. our mum saying uh, about someone's kid or the siblings. This is back in Taiwan, being locked up in a house because the family consider like a disability as a curse. And due to yeah, like superstitious absolutely. traditions, like many will seek help from temples, monk, or even psychic to treat the illness. Yeah. And they will yeah. consider medical intervention is very whitewashed um, and choose to believe the old school way to either talking to the gods or speaking to the dead yeah. and yeah. asking if anything that they can do to improve like their health or changing the condition of their kids. Yeah. So it's really fucked up. I remember yeah. when we were growing up, yeah, it's so fucked up. In I remember when we were growing up, like our parents, we're Taiwanese, Helen and I, and our parents are Taiwanese, or our dad's half Chinese. And um, I remember when we were growing up, Helen, mum used to always say that in Taiwan when she was mm. growing up, wheelchair users, people who just like couldn't use their f- legs or parts of their body just never got out of mm. the house she said like people just hid yeah. them like parents would just hide their disabled kids in um in the house because they were sh- ashamed ashamed yeah and i was yeah i was just like wow that is really fucked up yeah it's so fucked up and 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 like prior to the i'm i'm reading this from the wiki page prior to the 1980s the term referring to people with disabilities was translated into useless and worthless Mm. And, like, the government back then wasn't responsible for providing support or funding with people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's changed now, obviously, which is good. Um, so, for instance, last year, Taiwan mandated a quota for the number of employees with disabilities. Um, so it's a new act called the People with Disabilities Rights Protection Act, where basically the act requires any employer that employs more than 67 dis- employees to proactively seek to employ those with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So, like, the rule is that um, uh, the act requires that the employees with disabilities make up no less than 1% of the total employee population with a minimum of at least one person. I mean, like, it's it's not much, but it's a good direction, right? Yeah, I, direction. I guess it's, like, a really minimum <laughs> improvement. Yeah, it's not much. Yeah, I mean, it's like, just, uh, listeners have to be aware that, yeah, this Taiwan um, in the last few decades has progressed really rapidly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there are exactly. still so many conservative people who think that disabled people shouldn't shouldn't work. You know. Yeah. Well, unfortunately, because like I digged up like a paper by Xu Qin Lin. Um, mm-hmm. I'll have this in our show note as well. Their paper's title: "Living Alive with a Physical Impairment in Taiwan." It is more than just impairment. Um, the paper has comprehensive historical and cultural background of Taiwan's disability com- uh, community. So I'll just quote some of uh, the write from the writing. Uh, it says that from a historical perspective, disability in Taiwan is deeply influenced by Chinese culture, such as the major beliefs mm-hmm. of Buddhism, Confucianism, and Chinese characters. The long-term cultural attitudes towards the people with impairment in Taiwan take the form of being discriminative and feeling pity. Therefore, Taiwanese people with impairment are likely to be excluded from society. The major beliefs mm. of Buddhism are reincarnation, karma, and fulfilling one's dharma, which all suggest that disability is a type of temporary suffering in this existence for the soul to progress to the perfect nirvana or perfect understanding. As a result of people's preconceived ideas and the government's insufficient promotion of more enlightened attitudes to disability, many Taiwanese people see people with impairment as reincarnations, as a punishment, and even consider that disability might be contagious. For example, the people... The individuals with a disability 
are viewed as useless and embarrassment, irrational, irritable, and incompetent people or idiots. I think that's that runs over all as like Asian. A lot of Asian nations are considered yes, like disability, yes. disabled um, people, isn't it? Because it's run very very deeply for the Confucianism and um, Buddhism in most Asian nations. Mm. Yeah. And it's such a capitalist framework to think that just because you're not like so-called productive that you're not mm. making money for someone or like contributing that you're useless. Mm. Like fuck that. Yeah. It's such a capitalist model. And because the past generations has been very like the production has been considered as like laborious work, um obviously that yeah. physical disabled people mm. have a harder time to enter that kind of employment mm. field. Um, the writer continued to say about the influence of Confucianism on Chinese family. I think it's very, very relevant as well. Um, he says Confucianism teaching of a duty-bound obligation as a right and proper person, um, bringing honor and mm-hmm. avoiding grace, disgrace to the family. Um, parents mm-hmm. expect their children to become successful person uh, in the society and bring a good reputation to their own family. So therefore, having an impaired child is therefore seen as a shameful thing for a Chinese family because the family is apologetic to his ancestors. Um, mm. It's it's very prevalent in a lot of Asian countries about shame, isn't it? It's not only yeah. uh, not doing well; it's also you know having a physical impairment, even if it's yeah. not your fault. It's not fucking your fault, yeah. honestly, and they consider that it's a yeah. shame. This is very problematic yeah. because I think um, when you have uh, like a, an idea of Confucianism that you put everything and responsibility within the family, the government would just not mm. care because the government yeah. believes that's your your own business. That's the insufficiency yeah. that the gov- a lot of governments in Asians that not not doing well enough for the disability communities. Yeah, yeah. I really like that we're talking about this, Helen, because. Uh, you know, before earlier on the show, we were criticizing the way, you know, it is in Australia, right? Mm-hmm. Like how lacking we are of cognitive diversity. But it's important to also recognize that in a lot of other countries, like in Asian countries, it's so much worse, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. so much worse. Like, and it's very, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, go on. We, yeah, well, like we criticize Australia, but we have NDIS, which is not nothing. I'm not saying it's a perfect scheme, it's not far from it. It's terribly flawed. Um, but, you know, compared to Taiwan or China or Brazil or, you know, a lot of mm-hmm. Southeast Asian countries, it's it's not good at all. They don't, governments yeah, don't yeah. provide these kind of support for people living I with mean, disability. Yeah. I mean, we would like to know that if our listeners are outside of Australia, that you can, you know, mm. let us know what kind of skins what or insurance like. policies, yeah. what's like for disability communities in your country. Um, yeah. It is really essential yeah. for everyone to know because you never know. Mm. Like one day you'll get into an accident and I know, you, know, exactly. you will need it. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, yeah. <laughs> I was going to mention, quickly mention that mm-hmm. because the shamefulness that a lot of Asians feel about uh, having a disability, it kind of, it, it, there's a lack of representation in Australia as well. You know, people coming from immigrant backgrounds that, um, I know that there's, there's a Royal Commission going on in the for the disabi- disability community, but mm. um, there's no enough representation from the culturally mm. diverse background people. So mm. if yeah. we, if you're disabled and of course an intersection, including that you're, 
um, from a culturally and yeah. yeah or linguistically diverse background and you're not speaking about it there's lack yeah. there's less resource to be you know provided for absolutely that specific yeah, community yeah yeah yeah, yeah. A lot of the information on the NDIS website is only available in um, English. Mm. And so, you know, that, that would, you know, you would require a lot of translators. And, you know, if you want to make a phone call to them, um, it's much harder for people who are not fluent in English. So, yeah, there are a lot of barriers for people mm. who are not white yeah. and also disabled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. I wanted to mention, um, I know that you wanted to talk about Love on the Spectrum, which is um, a show <laughs> that I'm sure a lot of listeners um, have seen, and it was massive a few months ago. Everyone was watching it. I have to admit, I've only watched the first episode. But um, speaking of TV shows, Helen, I wanted to say that um, on the ABC two years ago, there was a serious a six-part series called employable me australia where oh, yeah um, i know si- that the mm-hmm. series follows six individuals with disabilities on their journeys to find a job and um it was so good i cried every single episode Aww. i think i i saw it um at a hotel i was in i was in a i was traveling interstate i think i was in melbourne for a writer's festival and mm-hmm. i was alone late at night um watching going through tv because that is like my favorite thing to do um, when I go to a hotel, like I watch TV because yeah, it's so weird because I don't have, I haven't had this TV since I was like 20. Um, I'm watching so, TV um, on bed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Watching TV in bed is like so bad. It's a luxury <laughs> so, thing. Oh, yeah, it's a luxury to do it in a hotel room. Um, but it, it's just so, it really just made me think, Jesus motherfucking Christ, like I'm so like... It's not about me, obviously, but what I'm about to say um, will come out so, like I sound selfish. But like, it's just I've never I, I look back at my life and I'm like, Jesus, I've never known any adversity compared to these people. Mm. It's like they just want to get a job, mm-hmm. like as simple as that, a normal job. Yeah. Like, and it's so they have to face so many barriers. Exactly. And I just yeah. like it's so upsetting. It makes me just breaks my heart that, you know, things that you and I take for granted mm. is really really hard for many many people yeah i mean there's a lot of type of disability that is that is invisible like for example that we're talking mm. about autism and mm-hmm. you mentioned uh love on spectrum i've only watched the first episode mm-hmm. so far as well but i just feel like um okay. they have so much you know people with autism and there's sometimes there's social anxieties as well i mean i have anxieties myself and i can kind of slightly relate to them because there's just so many barriers that you have to get over to interact people socially and like mainstream group would consider that's just weird you know Mm, it's just mm. kind of exclude you and exclude people with certain disabilities to um, have all the rights that able people have. Exactly. Yeah, so I just want to say, if you haven't seen Employable Me Australia, it's on ABC iView, totally please go and watch it. It is so good. It's not funny. Like, it is so good. Like, it's it's just mandatory watching. You really need to... I think everyone yeah. needs to know what it's everyone. like for many people mm-hmm. just to get a job. Seriously. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I mean, normal, just able people having a hard time to get a job nowadays. Oh, getting a job. Yeah. Exactly. And yeah. people with disability, there's just Imagine. an extra layer and extra challenges yeah. and extra effort, you know, that they have to put yeah. in. Yeah. 
Okay, Helen, what else did you want to say? Anything else that you want to mention? No, I think... Um, um, I think to conclude... Yeah. Yep. yeah, I think to conclude, I think that um, much of the components that should be available and accessible for disability communities are still very overlooked, uh, like due to the fact that the representation of dis- uh, disabled people in decision-making is still very rare. And without the people from those communities, the abled people... Able-bodied people cannot truly establish a fully thoughtful environment for the disabled community. I think it's really essential to consider the importance of having disabled community to involve in decision-making and how to improve mm-hmm. their lives, as well as um, media representations. To, Of course, we want to eradicate the stigmatization and discriminatory behavior in the society. Um, inclusion is very, very important. Yeah. Oh, well put, well put. Absolutely. I love that. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Hey. Yeah. Before we go, um, I want to mention that the um, Japan Film Festival for Australia, mm-hmm. Cambodia, India, Indonesia, New Zealand, South Korea and US commences from tomorrow, 4th of December, right through 13th of December. Uh, there will be films releasing every day from 4th and they are available for 24 hours only from the scheduled starting time. So unfortunately, you will not longer be able to play back the films when they reach 24-hour expiration limit. Um, I think that's really a downfall for free events. I think um, the Korean and the Japanese film festival should really consider what the Taiwanese film festival has done this year, like releasing a package of like paying $20 and you can watch all the movies during the period of time. Um, because not all of us can finish a movie within 24 hours. I'm uh, yeah, speaking about me. Yeah. <laughs> it's so hard sometimes, you know, you've got, think, got to go yeah, and do something else. Totally. I think sometimes I like buy things, access, and then I totally forget about it. I was like, oh, oh shit. Yeah. That was That's only 48 hour, hours access. Yeah. I know, I know, yeah. Um, I want to, there's one film that I really, really want to encourage everyone to watch it uh, mm-hmm. during What's the that? Japan. Japanese Film Festival. It will be airing on the 13th of December from 2 p.m. It's called Cafe Funikili Funikila. It's the mm-hmm. book that I, uh, I kind of mentioned in a previous episode. It's based on the novel Before the Coffee Gets Cold, you know, about the time traveling. Are you traveling. serious? They made that into yeah. a movie? That's amazing. Yeah, they made that into yeah. Um, I watched it somewhere else. Don't ask me where I watched it this okay. week. It's a okay. massive tear jerking film. Very, very <gasps> oh. heartwarming. Very sentimental. Oh. Yeah. oh my god, it's so good. I hate sentimentality. Yeah, you just have to prepare. I hate it. But you have okay. to prepare tissue. Yeah. Oh my I feel god. Japanese are so good making sentimental movies, like god, the depart like the departures. The departed departures or and departures. Kuru. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, departures. Yeah. You know the cello, cello yeah, player the cello. that's in the no, funeral. I'm, I still haven't seen that yeah. at the end of that oh, movie. You I refuse to <gasps> because one. Yes, our sister Lisa so said that it just tear jerking killed her. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't want to see anything that makes me cry. <laughs> I cry every day already. Seriously. <laughs> I was crying yesterday when I was listening to Ocean Vaughan speak. Anyway, mm. that's a, another pod. Yeah, I wish I will and if you have time, yes. go and look up, <laughs> look up the there's a semi like autobi what do you call it autobiographic or documentary mm-hmm. type of film yeah. called Cool. It's about mm-hmm. a guide dog's journey. Yeah, awesome. in Japan. Oh, oh my oh, god, I went to really see that cool. film in the cinema. Like I, I I remember that I just like I came out like burst when I sleep so like wet. Oh, that's so <laughs> cute. That's really sad. <laughs> it's so cute, but it's really sad as well, yeah. 
Okay, that's it for okay. us this yeah, that's week it for today. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you, everyone. Uh, once again, thank you for our listeners. Remember to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. We're also now on Acast. Please, please give us a rating, review, and share our podcast to your friends. You can find our updates on Facebook and Instagram. Just search Asian Bitches Down Under. We welcome discussions and feedback. So we'll chat to you next time. Bye, guys. Bye.